0: what are the things that you become anxious about? When you think about the future, uh, what are you concerned for? What are the kind of things you pray for most? What about your your friends and your work colleagues? What do they worry about? Uh, What gets them anxious? Uh, What are they seeking after with their lives? You see, what we worry about tells us something about where our heart is. And as we've been working our way through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he's been probing our hearts and our desires. Last week, Jesus questioned our use of money. Our money and our hearts are connected, Jesus said. We heard about the danger of storing up earthly treasures. You cannot serve both God and money, Jesus told us. Instead... Jesus said, store up treasure in heaven that will last forever. But this raises some questions, doesn't it? Because if we use our money to store up treasure in heaven, what will we have left to live on? Isn't it risky to live like that? Don't we need a large safety net first before we think about giving? Uh, Shouldn't we set up ourselves and our family for the future first? Well, in our passage this morning, Jesus wants to speak to us about our worry. Have a look at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Now, let me say up front that Jesus isn't talking about anxiety as a medical condition. Um, some of you may struggle with ongoing anxiety, uh, it can be quite overwhelming. Uh, my wife, Shan Shan, struggles with anxiety at times. Uh, when she has relationship difficulties, uh, her, her body responds physically, she feels stressed. Uh, it's a complex thing, uh, it's not a simple choice. Uh, If you struggle with something like that, let me encourage you, uh, talk to a doctor. There are actually steps you can get for help. But that's not what Jesus is talking about this morning. Nor is this a general statement that all anxiety and worry is bad. Uh, If someone you love is sick and in hospital and you don't feel worried about it, there's probably something wrong with you. Rather, Jesus is talking about worry and concern for our earthly needs. Will I have enough money to live on? How can I save up more to get ahead? This is the kind of worry and anxiety that Jesus is talking to us about. And he gives us four reasons not to be anxious. The first one's there at the end of verse 25. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing? Look around you, Jesus says. There's more to life than food and clothing. Now, you wouldn't think this if you looked at our most popular TV shows. Uh, Cooking shows like MasterChef entice us with all the food we could eat if only we had time and money. Uh, Renovation shows show us all the things that are missing in our homes, and they give us visions of how much profit we could make if we fix it up and sell Uh, Every few weeks, the newspapers run a story about the latest person in their 20s who's bought a home in Sydney. Uh, Every time I read one of those, I realize how far behind I am. Our culture is obsessed and likes to dream about material things, doesn't it? But Jesus says, stop and think. Step back from the daily grind of work and life. Uh, Turn off your TV, stop looking at Facebook, and look around you. Isn't there more to life than just surviving? Isn't there more to life than just our physical needs? You see, last week, Jesus reminded us that all these earthly treasures we chase after are temporary. They all fade away. They don't last. What matters far more is eternity, our relationship with the God who made us. So don't be anxious about life, Jesus says, There's more to life than eating and drinking. Secondly, Jesus says, look at the birds. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Stop and look at the birds, Jesus says. The sparrows and the magpies, the ducks and the seagulls, Uh, The cockatoos and the parrots, they don't worry about the future. They don't have a budget or investment properties. They don't save up for a rainy day. Uh, They just live one day at a time, and yet somehow they've always got food to eat. Why is that? Is that just good luck or chance? You know, think about it. Early in the morning, uh, a magpie hops around on the grass. His tummy is rumbling, but he waits patiently A foolish worm burrows along the ground a little too close to the surface. The magpie cocks his head and then peck, breakfast is served. It seems like chance, doesn't it? But in in that moment when a bird finds food, Jesus says, uh, God is actually at work. In some way that boggles our mind. God has provided the worm to feed. And not just that bird, but God is caring for every creature in his creation, So look at the birds of the air, Jesus says. Watch how God feeds them, and then look at yourself. Are you not of more value than the birds? Of course you are. So don't be anxious. If God provides for the birds, then of course he'll provide for you. And then thirdly, Jesus says, look at your weakness. Verse 27 And which of you can add a single hour to his span of life? Wouldn't this verse make a great motivational poster? You could stick it on your fridge. Uh, Because it's so easy to think about the future and start worrying, isn't it? Uh, What if I don't get a pay rise? Will I ever save up enough money to buy a house? If I don't get in soon, uh, will it be too late? What if I lose my job? Will I find another job in time? How will I pay the mortgage? Will we have to move out? Where will we live? What if my health gets worse? What if I end up in hospital? Who will look after me? Do I have enough insurance? Maybe I need more. Who will take care of my family? Once you start worrying about the future, it's hard to stop. But look at your weakness, Jesus says. How much power and control do you really have over your life? With all this worry, can you increase your life by a single hour? Of course you can't. Just imagine if you set yourself a daily target of worrying for two hours every night. Um, I'm sure you could find an app to help you with that. Uh, You keep it up every day for a whole year. What good will that do? Will hundreds of hours of worry increase your life or make you happier? Of course not. The only thing you'll do is put yourself in hospital with a nervous breakdown. Don't be anxious, Jesus says, because it's a waste of time. You can't change anything. You're not in control. And then fourthly, Jesus tells us, look at the flowers. Verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Jesus is uh, telling us to go for a walk, wander around the fields, uh, look at the wild flowers, and think about how they grow. They don't sweat and work. They just quietly grow and burst into color. And do you remember King Solomon in the Old Testament? Uh, He was the ancient version of Bill Gates, uh, the richest of the rich. He had everything, uh, money and power, the best food and clothing, uh, gold and silver. He was rich, but with all of his riches, Jesus says, his clothing was nothing compared to the flowers of the field. Have you ever thought about where flowers uh, get their colour from? Uh, are they like little printers? If you cut open the seed, do they have an ink cartridge? Um, they're pretty amazing when you think about it. Uh, a tiny little seed, uh, it sprouts into a plant, and then all of a sudden bursts into colour with flowers, and then fades away. God clothes the flowers like royalty. So, Jesus says, "Look at the flowers, and then look at yourself." If God cares for them, are you not more valuable? Of course you are. So don't be anxious. Now, friends, uh, let's stop and reflect on what Jesus is saying for a moment. He's telling us that when we look at the birds and the flowers, we should see God's care for his creation. But I think we find that hard to believe. I think we struggle to believe that God is really involved in the world. Think about our modern view of the world for a moment. Science has become so good at discovering and observing how the world functions. We can identify all these small processes. We can see the chains of cause and effect. And so we have a mechanical view of the world. And so even if we believe that God created the world in the beginning, we tend to think that He's taken a step back now. Maybe God is like a watchmaker. A watchmaker builds his watch with all the tiny pieces, he puts it together, he winds it up, and then the watch just ticks over on its own. The watchmaker can have a cup of tea and read a book. The watch is a mechanical system that just keeps working. Sometimes we think of God a bit like a watchmaker, don't we? And the world is a giant watch that just ticks over on its own, all by itself, cause and effect. You see, science is so good at observing the world, we think that God is not involved. And that's why we become anxious and worried. Because if God is not in control, then it's up to us, isn't it? We're at the mercy of fate. We need to do everything we can to take control over our circumstances. We need to work and save and invest and build up security for ourselves so that when trouble comes, we'll be able to get through it. But friends, the Bible has a very different view. For example, uh, why is it raining so much this week? Well, a weather scientist could give us a full breakdown of all the things that lead up to rain. The sun heats the earth and the warm air rises. Uh, Cold currents of air come in and cool it down. Uh, Condensation happens. All the tiny droplets form into clouds. And then gravity pulls on it, and eventually the clouds burst and it rains. One big cycle of cause and effect. Now all of that is true. But at the same time, the Bible says God is the one who sends the rain. Or we could ask the question, how do flowers grow? Well, one answer is that warmth and moisture cause the sea to sprout Uh, The sun gives light to the leaves, which gets converted into energy, and that helps it put out flowers. It's all in the DNA. That's also true. But again, the Bible says that God is the one who gives growth to every living thing. Uh, You see, the Bible doesn't deny our scientific observations about how the world works, but it insists that above and beyond, all of the details we can see is the power and hand of God. Now, listen to the, how the words of Psalm 104 praise God. Psalm 104, verse 10. You make springs gush forth in the valleys, they flow between the hills, they give drink to every beast of the field, the wild donkeys quench their thirst. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell, they sing among the branches. From your lofty abode, you water the mountains. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of your work. You cause the grass to grow for the livestock, and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring food forth from the earth, wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, and bread to strengthen man's heart. You see, again and again, the Bible tells us God is the one in control. Uh, Behind the processes of cause and effect that we can see with our eyes is the invisible hand of God. The Bible doesn't give us science lessons about exactly how God is involved. It simply tells us that he is involved. This is why we talk about the idea of God being sovereign and ruling over the world. He's in control. And that means the world is not like a watch ticking over on its own, While God drinks a cup of tea and watches on, Uh, instead, God is intimately involved in sustaining and caring for everything in His world, moment by moment. Uh, This is also why we say thanks before we eat, isn't it? It's a funny thing that we Christians do. Uh, We go to work and we earn some money. Then we go to the supermarket and we hand over the money and we get some food. Then we go home and we cook the food or we microwave it if we're in a hurry. Then we sit down to eat, and before we do, we thank God for the food he's given us. Uh, Do you ever find yourself wondering, why am I thanking God for this? Uh, Hands up if you've ever had that thought. Uh, I have. Maybe it's just me. I see a few guilty smiles. Um, You see, it's easy to forget that God is sovereign. It's easy to fall back into thinking, this world is only the things that we can see, and it's all cause and effect. But the Bible tells us every good thing we have is given by God. And for our food to acknowledge that he is in control, even though we often can't see how. And that's the same reason we pray, uh, because we believe that God is in control and he can actually do things and act in the world. Uh, Prayer only makes sense if God is sovereign. Now, this idea of God being in control does raise some questions. Uh, You might be thinking, hang on, uh, what about the bad stuff in our world? What about suffering and sickness? We don't have time to look into that now, but the Bible has a lot to say about suffering and evil. And as we keep reading through Matthew's Gospel, we're going to see that one of the reasons Jesus came into the world and died was to fix suffering. Uh, God cares deeply about the suffering in our world and it's not outside of his control either. But the point Jesus wants us to learn this morning is that we're not at the mercy of fate. He knows that we struggle to have faith, so he's encouraging us, look at the birds, look at the flowers, and remember that God is in control of his world. So next time you're outside uh, and you see a bird eating its food, remember that God is the one who feeds the birds. Uh, Next time you see some flowers in bloom, remember where their color and beauty and life comes from. And remember that we are far more valuable to God than birds or flowers. Just as he cares for his creation, so he will care for us. And this means uh, we can be freed up from worry to seek something better. Have a look at verse 31. Jesus reminds us of what we should already know. Our Father in heaven knows our needs. Do you remember what Jesus told his disciples when he taught them the Lord's Prayer? He said, your Father knows what you need before you even pray. So trust your Father to provide your needs. Jesus is not saying here, trust God and don't bother working. He's not saying, trust God and take no thought for the future, make no plans whatsoever. Um, These words are not an excuse for being lazy or foolish. In fact, some of us might need to work harder and get better at planning for the future. But Jesus is getting to our hearts and our anxiety. Don't live like a Gentile, like an unbeliever, he says. Don't be enslaved to money, seeking after it, worrying that if you don't have enough, uh, you're in trouble, as though God doesn't exist. Remember that God, your Father, is in control and he knows what you need, so don't be anxious. Instead, verse 33, you have freedom to seek the kingdom. Verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, What does this mean, to seek God's kingdom and righteousness? Well, we see in the Gospels that it means acknowledging our need for forgiveness and following Jesus as Lord. It means listening to Jesus' words and building our life upon them. It means living as light and salt in the world. Uh, It means taking up our cross and following Jesus as we suffer with him. It means praying for the kingdom to come. It means speaking the message of the kingdom to those around us. And it means using our time and money to store up treasure in heaven. You see, Jesus is giving us an alternative way to live. uh, Seeking God's kingdom first, instead of seeking for material needs all the time. And just to finish off, Jesus gives us one last reason not to be anxious. Verse 34. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow... For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And this is just good old-fashioned common sense. Uh, don't be anxious about the future. All your worry won't do you any good. You're going to deal with it when it comes. Uh, instead, worry about the things that are in front of you each day. Seek God's kingdom first, Jesus says, and don't be anxious about the future. Now, what does this look like? I think the Apostle Paul shows us an example of a life uh, shaped by this. You see, Paul worked for money, didn't he? And he made plans for the future. But his life wasn't consumed by seeking after material things. Instead, his life was consumed with seeking after God's kingdom. He prayed for God's kingdom to come constantly He longed for Jesus to return and bring justice. He prayed for the gospel to grow around the world. He prayed for more people to hear about God's grace and repent and be saved. He prayed for his fellow Christians to keep going in their faith. He prayed for the churches he knew to grow in their love. Uh, Paul's heart was set on the kingdom and that drove him to constant prayer. And it also drove him to action, didn't it? Uh, Paul took every opportunity he could find to speak the gospel message, to tell others about the kingdom before it's too late. And he worked part-time making tents, uh, not to buy a house for his retirement, but to fund his ministry, and so that he could be generous to those in need. Paul spent his life seeking God's kingdom and righteousness. Sometimes he lived in comfort, but sometimes he had very little to live on. But God was faithful and always provided for his needs. So friends, what keeps you awake at night? Uh, When you look at your finances and you think about the future, what worries do you have? Jesus is telling us, seek first God's kingdom with our lives and our money, and God will provide for our needs. Uh, What will this look like for us today? Well, firstly, if you're here this morning and you don't follow Jesus, then you've got a choice to make. Do you think there is more to life than food and clothing? Uh, Will you live your life seeking for earthly treasure that will fade away? Or will you decide to trust Jesus with your life and seek first the kingdom of God and find treasure in heaven? And if you do decide to follow Jesus, and for those of us who already do, uh, I think there's three things that that involves in our lives. Firstly, we should pray. Uh, If our heart is set on the kingdom rather than earthly things, then our prayers should reflect that, shouldn't they? So what are the things you pray about most? Uh, The Lord's Prayer is a great help for us. It's not a set of magic words. It's just a prayer Jesus has given us that focuses our minds and our hearts on God's kingdom. And seeking the kingdom uh, means we should invest our time and energy in it. Uh, We spend our time and energy on the things we love and the things we think are important. And as we pray for God's kingdom to come and people to be saved, we start to think, what can I do? Uh, How can I use my life and my time to serve God's kingdom. Are there people in your life you could be sharing the gospel with? Are there ministries in the community or in church that you could be involved with? Are there non-Christian friends you could spend more time with? Do you have a flexible job with lots of opportunities? Or do you have a demanding job which limits you? Because if our hearts are set on God's kingdom... Then we long to see more people saved and growing in their knowledge of God, don't we? And then thirdly and finally, seeking the kingdom should lead us to give. This is where our faith really gets tested. Do we believe that God is in control? Or do we live like Gentiles, worried and anxious about the future, storing up treasure on earth? Jesus is telling us, learn from the birds and the flowers. God is in control. So you're free to seek first the kingdom instead of worrying. Now, what do, how do we find a balance uh, between wisely taking care of ourselves and using our money for the kingdom? Uh, it's not black and white, but here's my suggestion for how to think about your giving in light of the kingdom. Uh, be adventurous and bold. Uh, adventurous and bold. When you look at your budget and you think about how much uh, to give, don't settle for a, a safe and comfortable amount. Be adventurous. Uh, when you hear about needs and opportunities, uh, it's, we, there's a lot of end of year financial appeals from Christian ministries at the moment. Uh, think carefully, pray about them, and be bold. Most of all, don't give in to worry and anxiety. Because these words of Jesus can be trusted, friends. If we spend our lives praying for it and speaking about it and giving boldly to it, our Father in heaven promises that he will provide for our needs. Let's pray about this now. Father, we thank you so much for the Lord Jesus who came and showed us what it is to live a righteous life. We thank you for the grace and forgiveness that we have in the gospel, that we might become your children and call you our Father in heaven. We thank you for these uh, wonderful words of encouragement that remind us you are in control of your world. And we thank you for these wonderful promises that as we seek your kingdom first, you will provide and care for our needs. Uh, Father, help us to examine our hearts, uh, not to be anxious and worried, but to trust in you and live joyful lives as we seek the kingdom and store up treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.